We're going to continue our series on family living. Uh, this morning is going to be to us parents. And I hope that you find it as challenging as I did, as, I, as the Lord uh, directed me on this, on this message, to analyze and to look within my own life on how it is to be a parent and what it's like to raising up a godly generation in today's culture uh, and the challenges that might pose and the blessings that it has as well. Don't look all the negative. <clears throat> so we're going to look at some prayers that we should be actively praying for our children. And the first prayer that we're going to look is pray that your children will be saved. And I really appreciate uh, Brother Tim as he, as he talked about that in our, in our Sunday school lesson um, about praying and uh, being excited for our children when they accept the Lord. And it shouldn't just be a common thing. It should be a hallelujah, thank you Jesus type of thing. It just shouldn't be something that we take lightly when one of our children gives their lives to the Lord and accepts Jesus Christ. As we think about praying for our children... If we don't pray for our children, who will? It's just something to think about as we as parents. Is it just some, something that we just take lightly? Do we just pray once a, more, you know, once a day or do we pray throughout the day for our children different things that we come in contact with or they come in contact with? Um, I think it was also mentioned, this is our, I believe, our first ministry as parents is our children. It should be something that we take uh, seriously. Paul said, brethren, in Romans 10.1, brethren, my heart's desire and prayer for God, to God for Israel is, Israel is that they might be saved. And so we see Paul here as, as his children, that the, the Israel is being his children. He's praying for their salvation, that they would be saved and they would understand who Jesus Christ is. So as we look at this, Pray for an authentic heart transformation. And so, so I want to look at this a little bit. You know, the kind of the thing is nowadays in, in churches is they just pray this little prayer and they're saved and then that's it. But we need to understand, we need to explain to our children to accept Christ means to confess Him, to confess our sins. Because I believe today there's times that we as adult Christians, we may not even know how to confess our sins or repent from our sins because we have not been taught as a child. And what that means. And then to put our faith in Jesus Christ. So as we look at this, uh, I think this is something that we should be actively teaching our children day by day. Is to understand what confessing Jesus and repenting of our sins should be in a day to day. So I want to turn to Job for the scripture reading. Really appreciated. It seemed like the Holy Spirit was directing Tim's and I's and even Grant's this morning as some of the thoughts that he shared. Uh, really, really directing the service today. So I give God the praise in that. So examples for us parents in Job 1, verses 1 through 5. It says, There is a man in the land of Uz whose name was Job, and that man was perfect and upright, and one that feared God and eschewed evil. 
And there was there were born of him seven sons and three daughters. His substance also was seven thousand sheep, three thousand camels, five hundred yoke of oxen, and five hundred she asses, and a very good household, so that this man was greatest in all the men of the east. And his sons went and feasted in their houses every one his day, and sent and called for their three sisters to eat and drink with them. And it was so, when the days of their feasting were gone about, that Job sent and sanctified them, and rose up early in the morning, and offered burnt offerings according to the number of them all. For Job said, It may be that my sons have sinned and cursed God in their hearts. Thus did Job continually. So as looking at his parents, how do we encourage our children? Um, and this is, this is probably one of the hardest things in my own life. Is It's easy to criticize. It's easy to constantly tell them what they're doing wrong. But how often do we, criti- or how often do we encourage our children? And I just want you to think about that. When was the last time you told your child thank you or told them good job for something they did? I believe Job understood what he had here. In the last verse, he said he, uh, that, it may, uh, that he offered burnt offerings according to the number of them all. So he basically was a priest to them, uh, offering up offerings in, in for the fact that they would ascend or something during their, their party and things that they were living, how they were living. I think I got ahead of myself here. So yeah, as we look at A, perfect, it says in the first verse that Job was a man that was a man perfect. It didn't mean that he was sinless, but as we look at being perfect, it's blameless, having integrity or wholeheartedly pure. And that was a point I was wanting to look at as, as we encourage our children. <coughs> are we looking at the negative side of the children or are we looking at the positive side? <coughs> B, it talks about perfect and upright. So Job was upright. Basically means he was righteous. He was walking wisely. He had moral character, had a good character. I want to look at discipline a little bit with this word upright. As we look at disciplining them with love, how does that look like? And how does that look like according to the transaction? I think we need to understand as as parents... Was what they did a mistake or was it a sin? And I think we need to analyze that because if we constantly discipline them for just mistakes that they do, I think they're gonna, that's not going to work well or go well. And I think also as we look at that, we need to make sure that they acknowledge what they did was wrong. Um, it's it's kind of funny. We we tell our children when they, especially the little ones, is go go say you're sorry to your sister, go say sorry to your brother, but it may only be in word only. It may not be in their heart that they're actually sorry for what they've done. So I think as as we look at um, parents, we need to make sure that they understand what they did was wrong, and it's just more than just saying you're sorry. It's understanding uh, that you did do a sin. C, Job was a man who feared God, and so he acknowledged God's ways and lives according to them. As we look at 
be an encouragement to our children. I think consistent spiritual walk with God is, plays a huge impact on their children, on our children's lives. Is seeing us not being so wishy-washy in our way, um, um, especially in, in things that happen to us. Are we the same in good times or bad? And that kind of hit me upside the head because, you know, there's times that I may react in a bad situation. I may be praising God in a good situation, but I may not be praising God in a bad situation, if that makes sense. So I think we need to be consistent in our teaching of them to acknowledge God's ways. How safe are your children telling you about a mistake? That's a question to ask them. If they're not, maybe we need to analyze, do they really trust us or maybe we're reacting in a negative way? I think that's very, very important because it's a way to teach them in, in, in general about God because if we're scared to go to God as adults, you know, how much more is it for children to come to us when they make a mistake or sin? If everything is working right, it should be the first thing that they do if they make a mistake is come to us. But many times we as parents react wrongly when they come to us to tell us something. <clears throat> so in the last part of verse 1, it says, and, and shoot evil. So basically turning away from evil, identifying and resisting temptation. That's one of the things that we should be teaching our children is turning away from evil. We have to identify evil first. Uh, kind of like what our Sunday school lesson was this morning. You know, was it God shutting the door? Or was it Satan's hindering us? Um, I'm not going to give the name, but there's there's a gentleman I I was talking to about children, and and he just says I'm just always telling them they're a sinner. And I think that's a real negative way to look at it. It kind of goes back to what we water grows. If we're going to constantly criticize and be negative to our children, why do we expect them to act any different? What gives them, what gives them an incentive to try to do better? Or what gives them an incentive to grow? Are we raising defeated warriors or strong warriors for Jesus Christ today? <clears throat> Some of your children have this verse, memory verse, right? Psalm 119.11, Thy word have I hid in my heart that I might not sin against thee. And it goes along with Jeff's opening this morning in Psalm 1 verse 2. It says, But his delight is in the law of the Lord, and in its law does he meditate day and night. I really appreciated that. As we look at children loving God's Word, a lot of it goes back to how excited are we or how excited do we show them our personal time with the Lord. It's like, well, I have to get up in the morning. I have to read God's Word. I have to spend time. Or it's like, I get, a, I get to get up in the morning. I get to be in God's Word. I get to see what He's going to have to share with me today. 
And not only that, is share with them at some point in time how God blessed you as you read God's word that day. There's many times, I think all of us experience that, the very thing that we read or meditated on that morning, or whenever your, your devotion time is, we might have experienced that sometime during the day. And it really blesses, maybe gives us insight of how to respond or convict us in our heart of, of something, whatever that is. And I think we need to share that with our children. That's a way to grow. That's a way for them to understand why it's important to love his word, to understand it. What about sharing them with bringing decisions, questions, and desires to his word and authority? What if they want something? It's like, well, let's pray about it. Let's pray about it. What does God, what does God say in this situation? What does God want you to have in this situation? <clears throat> I don't remember when I come across this quote, but I kind of tweaked it a little bit. If we don't teach our children who Jesus is, the world will try to teach him everything he isn't. That's a very, very sobering thing on, on why we should be front and foremost in our children's teaching of who God is. Next prayer we want to look at is pray that your children will seek godly friends and mentors. <clears throat> Proverbs 18.24, a man that hath friends must show himself friendly, and there is a friend that sticketh closer than a brother. As we look at friends, we all want our children to be have friends, per se, and maybe sometimes in that whole aspect, maybe we encourage them to be friends with something that's not encouraging to them, somebody that may not be encouraged, somebody that might be detrimental to them. So I, I think as we look at seeking friends, that it's obviously seeking godly friends, we want people that's going to encourage, motivate, and challenge them in the gospel, friends that are um, love Jesus with all their heart, soul, mind, body, and strength, and be able to speak to their heart and issues. Sometimes friends tell us the some things we don't want to hear, and that's good too. You know, there's been brothers that speak into my life that said, hey, there's an area, area in your life that you need to really work on. And, and I, looking back now, you know, that's the kind of people you want that's not scared to speak up when you're, when you're going down the wrong path. Paul says, 1 Corinthians 11.1, 1, Be ye followers of me, even as I am also of Christ. That's Part of the second and, and number three, as mentors, we want people that are going to be mentoring our children, Sunday school teachers, coaches, whatever, um, aunts, uncles, older brothers and sisters, investing in people that's willing to invest in them. And I think one of the many things that we need to do is today is respect and authority. In a, in a good way, not, not in a negative way where they're doing something wrong, but, but we need to have, make sure our children are expecting um, the leaders of the church and uh, Sunday school leaders and things like that. I have down here healthy relationships and the spouses. I know many times as, as children, uh, you don't really think about that, but pray for, pray for your children's spouses at an early age. I think that was something that was conveyed to me, I think, at men's retreat years and years ago, and it's something that 
I strive to do. I don't always do it um, every day, but pray for their spouses that God will raise them up to be godly, godly men and women. As we think of be ye followers of me, even as I also am of Christ, how am I teaching my children by how I love slash respect my spouse? If we're dealing with children that may be struggling in respecting, am I respecting them? And so what I get on that is, is if we if we have a child that maybe we really struggle uh, listening to us or respecting us, maybe we need to analyze what we are or what we're not doing to try to get to their heart, if that makes sense. Along with that, children are, we're teaching them whether we know it or not. Does that make sense? Even if we're not doing something, we're still teaching them something. We may be showing them the wrong way to do something. <clears throat> Number four, pray that your children will learn to fight temptation. So we do want to read in Daniel 1, 3 through 21. Daniel 1. It's a familiar story, and I think I'll just go ahead and read it all. Daniel 1, verse 3. And the king spake unto Ashpenaz, the master of, the, of his eunuchs, that he should bring certain of the children of Israel and of the king's seed and of the princes, children of whom was no blemish, but well favored and skillful in all wisdom and cunning and knowledge and understanding, science and such as had it ability in them to stand in the king's palace, and, and whom they might teach the learning and the tongue of the Chaldeans. And the king appointed them a daily provision of the king's meat and the wine which he drank, so nourishing them three years, that at the end thereof they, may not, they, may, they might stand before the king. Now among these were the children of Judah, Daniel, Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah, upon whom the princes of the eunuchs gave names, for he gave unto Daniel the name of Belteshazzar, and to Hananiah of Shadrach, and to Mishael of Meshach, and of Azariah of Abednego. But Daniel purposed in his heart that he would not defile himself with the portion of the king's meat, nor with the wine which he drank. Therefore he requested the princes of the eunuchs that he may not defile himself. Now God had brought Daniel into favor and tender love with the prince of the eunuchs. And the prince of the eunuchs said unto Daniel, I fear my lord the king, who hath appointed your meat and your drink, for why... He should he see your faces worse liking than the children which are of your sort. Then shall you make me endanger to my endanger my head to the king. Then said Daniel to Malzar, whom the prince of the eunuchs had set over Daniel, Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah, Prove thy servant, I beseech thee, ten days, and let them give us pulse to eat and water to drink. Then let our countenance be looked upon before thee and the countenance of thy children that did eat the portion of the king's meat as thou seest deal with thy servants so he consented to them in this matter and proved to them ten days and at the end of the ten days their countenance appeared fairer and fatter in flesh than all the children which did eat the portion of the king's meat thus Melzar took away the portion of their meat and wine that they should drink and gave them pulse 
As for these four children, God gave them knowledge and skill in all learning and wisdom, and Daniel had understanding in all vision and dreams. Now at the end of the days that the king had, had said he should bring them in, and the prince and the eunuchs brought them in before Nebuchadnezzar. And the king communed with them, and among all them all was found none like Daniel, Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah. Therefore stood they before the king. And in all matter of wisdom and understanding that the king inquired of them, he found them ten times better than all the magicians and astrologers that were in his realm. And Daniel con continued even into the first year of King Cyrus. So I want to look at how, first off, what these young boys or men were doing. And, and quite possibly, uh, Dallas, Denver, and Andre, and, and uh, Elliot, they were probably your size. And if you think about being taken to a foreign land, say China, where they worship Buddha, how would you react? How would you remember the teaching of home that was given you to keep doing the things that you knew what was right? So it's just something to think about. Um, let's look at the names that they give them. First off, if, if they were trying to get them to become like the culture of, of the Chaldeans, Yeah, basically in, in verse 4 it says, and whom they might teach the learning and the tongue of the Chaldeans. So they were trying to indoctrinate them the Chaldeans way or the, the, the uh, doctrine of the Chaldeans. And so the uh, first one is Daniel, which met in the Hebrew, God is my judge, became Belshazzar, which met Bel protect him, which is one of their, one of their gods. <clears throat> Hananiah, which met Jehovah has been gracious, became Shadrach, the command of a coup. Mishael met who is what God is, became Meshach, who is what a coup is. Little bitty things, people. Little bitty things. Azariah, Jehovah has helped, became Abednego, servant and Nebo. So we see here they had God-honoring names, and now they were changed to names honoring false gods in a false religion. What is culture today indoctrinating our children? It could be little bitty things just like this, of, of questioning their identity, who they are, what they were born, what sex they were when they were born. This is very, very important why we need to be teaching our children of what the truth is and, and living it, I think, as we, as we talked about today. I didn't put it in my... Um, slideshow here, but I came across a deal that was really interesting last night. It, it was called the domino effect, and, and it showed this person standing off to the side of, of dominoes that were stacked, and, and each domino, they started out small, and it got bigger and bigger and bigger until as it made a half moon around this person, it was massive, and so it just showed this person pushing the first dominoes like, what harm will come of this? And, it, and the dominoes were labeled sin. And each, as each one fell, it hit a bigger domino and a bigger domino till it got all the way around and it would have squished the person that had first started. So that illustration really hit home to me is, is why we look at just small things. And it says Daniel purposed in his heart that he would not defile himself or defile God. And I think as we look at children learning to fight temptation is identifying 
number one, what it is. It's a sin against God. It's, you know, uh, even though the culture says it's right, what does God's word say uh, about it? <clears throat> Joshua twenty four fifteen. It's and if it seemed evil unto you to serve the Lord, he's asking this question. Choose you this day whom ye, sh- ye shall ye will serve, whether the gods of your fathers, which your fathers served, that were on the other side of the flood, or the gods of the Amorites, in whose land ye dwell. But as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. I remember when I was a young father, I was walking out in the snow, and, and the snow is pretty deep, and, and as I turned around behind me, I saw one of them, uh, one of my young children trying to step in my footprints as I walked. So I was clearing the path, and <laughs> it really struck me as, a, as an early father. It's like, wow, you know, my my stride was longer, and so they were, you know, they were really trying to, you know, make that step and and really struggling. And but that gave me a, a spiritual image of how important it is in our walk with Christ because our children are watching us. So there was a story, um, a pastor was, was getting into his message and really preaching, and, and as he looked up, he, he saw his son with a bean shooter up in the balcony, and he was, he was popping people in the backs of the heads, and he was getting ready to, to issue out a very scolding uh, for his son for doing this, and, and his son just said, you know, keep, you keep preaching, Dad, I'll keep him awake. And that was kind of a funny illustration because... As parents, I think it's very, very important. Obviously, that minister had talked about people sleeping during his message, and his son had heard that. And it's just a good lesson. We need to be very, very careful the things that we talk about around our children. It plays an impact in their lives. So make sure that they're mature enough, number one, to uh, understand what we're talking about. If it's, if it's about a situation or something like that, it's something that, that we really need to, need to watch. I wrote down, God can use our children to reveal our own sin. And I know that's happened in my own life. The things that we see our children do, a lot of times come back and it's like, wow, that really smote me, Lord. I, I, see, I see my sin right there, whatever it may be. It might be part of their character or it might be uh, how they react to stuff and, or deal with, deal with uh, different things. And I think as, as we look at helping our children go, grow, we need, to under, we need to teach them that they have choices. They do have choices, but those choices have consequences. And I think that's very, very important as we look at raising our children. Um, the choices that they make as a young person um, can and will affect them the rest of their life. Pray that your children will want to stand out from the world. I originally, earlier in the week, I, I, I wrote, pray that your children will stand out from the world. But as I was looking at this this morning, the Holy Spirit convicted me. He's like, no, you want to put want in there. Because there's a difference between that they will and they want to. Right? 
So we're going to read another account in Daniel. If, you just, if you're still there, just flip a few pages over in Daniel 3. And this again is the three Hebrew children going through the fiery furnace account. So Daniel 3, we'll start in verse 14. Nebuchadnezzar spake and said unto them, Is it true, O Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego? Here again, he's using their Chaldean names. Do not ye serve my gods, nor worship the golden image which I have set up? Now if ye be ready at, that, at what time ye shall hear the cornet, flute, harp, saxbut, psaltery, and dulcimer, and all kinds of music, ye fall down and worship the image which I have made. Well, but if ye worship not, ye shall be cast in that same hour into the midst of the burning fiery furnace. And who is that God that shall deliver you out of my hands? He's questioning. He's getting right up in their face. You young men right here, somebody getting up right up in your face and questioning you who God is and, and His power. Verse 16, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego answered and said to the king, O Nebuchadnezzar, we are not careful to answer thee in this matter. Look at the respect of this king that was wrong, living evil. They still had, they, they answered him in respect. And I, I think that's very, very important. Verse 17, If it be so, our God whom we serve is able to deliver us from the burning fiery furnace, and he will deliver us out of thy hand, O king. But if not, be it known unto thee, O king, that we will not serve thy gods, nor worship the golden image which thou hast set up. Then was Nebuchadnezzar full of fury, and in the form of his visage was changed against Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. Therefore he spake and commanded that they should not heat, that they should heat the fire, the furnace, one seven times hotter. Sorry, let me start over again. And commanded that they should heat the furnace one seven times more than it was to be heated. And he commanded the most mighty men that were in his army to bind Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego and to cast them into the burning fiery furnace. Then these men were bound in their coats, their hosen, their hats, and their other garments and were cast in the midst of the burning fiery furnace. Therefore, because the king commanded, was, commandment was urgent and the, fire, the furnace exceedingly hot, the flames of the fire slew these men that took up Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. And these three men, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, fell down bound into the midst of the fiery, burning fiery furnace. Then Nebuchadnezzar, the king, was astonished, and rose up in haste, and spake, and said unto his counselors, Did we not cast three men bound into the midst of the fire? They answered and said unto the king, True, O king. He answered and said, Lo, I see four loose walking in the midst of the fire, and they have no hurt, and the form of the fourth is like the Son of God. It's not just going through the fire, it's who's going through with you. I think as we look at wanting our children to, wanting our children to have the will and want to stand out from the world, we need to instruct them at an early age, God has got this. We, may, we will face adversity, we will face struggles and trials, but God is bigger than all that. And I think that's very, very important as we want our children to go out um, and to take a stand is that we that we encourage them in this. Proverbs 22, 6, Train up in the child in the way he should go, and when he's old, he will not depart from it. We see that story being fulfilled here in these three Hebrew children. 
I know that they had to be taught this at an early age, otherwise they wouldn't have known how to do this or how to react in a positive way against these um, evil people. Number six, pray that your children will rise up and do great things for God. 1 Timothy 4.12, Let no man despise thy youth. Be thou an example unto the believers in word and conversation and charity and spirit and faith and impurity. I really appreciate you young, young men getting up here and sharing the word. I mean, that's really, number one, it's, it's making you be challenged. It's making you get in God's word because you don't want to get up here and, and not do a good job, right? At least I hope you don't anyway. <laughs> uh, so, I am encouraged in that. Our children have faced different challenges than we face because of a changing world. The, the challenges that we faced as, as children, we can um, encourage our children those, but they will face different challenges than what we faced. And just like the technology part, they're facing different challenges than we ever face as children. And I think we as parents need to be open to that and be, um, should be educating ourselves in those as well and to be able to help and encourage our children in those. I just have this wrote down, encourage them in their spiritual gifts. Whether you know it or not, you guys were created for a purpose for a time like this. There's different, each one of you have different gifts and God created you for this time. And I think as, as parents, we need to nurture those spiritual gifts, help them to recognize the gifts that God has given them to use um, and to rise up and do great things for God. Okay, in closing, I just want to leave this as encouragement to all of us parents. In those bad days, remind yourself this, children are a blessing from the Lord. Because <laughs> they are. Parenting is hard. I, I get that, and these these are some these are some things that that I don't do well in, and I've I've been challenged in this as well. And I'm already I'm already a grandpa, and but I can use I can use these same things to to help out with my grandchildren and to finish well with my own children. As I think as parenting, if you're struggling, don't be afraid to reach out. I really know that we have something good going on here, and if, if one of us is struggling or several of us is struggling, reach out to each other. We're all in this together. We're, we're a big family. We're a community, and I think it's very, very important that we lean on each other in tough times. You know, if, if two of our boys have a squabble out here in the church, let's, let's talk about it. Let's get together. Don't, don't let it just go un... Um, what's the right word? Just don't just let it go. I mean, we need to we need to deal with it. Um, and so, yeah, I guess I guess that's that's all I have. I just want to encourage you that that we have a ministry. You're very very important in your children's lives. I mean, that's just tongue in cheek saying that, but none of us know what we're going to be facing in the future. But we know one thing, that God's got this, and if we're striving to do His will, He's going to bless us beyond measure, and He's going to give us the strength to do what's necessary to raise our children up. What shall we sing?